foot enthusiasts, minimal footwear lovers, or anyone trying to fix your own feet, I'm heading to North Carolina this May to lead a live, in-person, three-day retreat all about feet. I'm going to be at the Art of Living Retreat Center, which is up in the mountains of North Carolina. It's so beautiful there. And are you ready to hear what I'm calling it? The retreat is called Healing Your Soul, a stepwise approach to building forever functional feet. That's so good, right? If you want to learn all about how to take care of the muscles, bones, joints, fascia, and nerves of the feet, and learn how strong feet and ankles relate to sustainable hips and knees, this event is for you. In addition to the classroom and movement time with me, you're on retreat. So there's delicious meals, a nature-rich campus that you can explore on foot, and plenty of time for rest and relaxation, all included. A retreat is a perfect way to care for yourself in the moment, but also in the future. You are coming to learn a massive toolkit of information. So whether you're a competitive runner, a dynamic ager, or a healthcare practitioner, this is a weekend full of movement for you and your feet. And like I said, you're gonna leave with a toolkit and a big swag bag that you can use to train your feet for life. For more information about the movement sessions, the food, the center, head to my website, nutritiousmovement.com slash retreat. That's nutritiousmovement.com slash retreat. This is Katie B, and you are about to listen to an early episode of my podcast. Now the show is called The Move Your DNA Podcast, and you can find all episode transcripts and the show notes to this episode at nutritiousmovement.com slash podcast. Enjoy. On the road again, <laughs> I just can't wait to get on the road again. <laughs> it's the Katie Says Podcast where today I am talking movement, the tiny details of the larger issues, and why movement matters with the mystery guest. Just kidding. It is a very good friend of mine and yours, Danny Hammett. <laughs> the crowd goes wild. I'm Katie Bowman, biomechanist and author of Move Your DNA. And I'm Danny Hemmett, a chronically curious movement teacher and sometimes podcast host. <laughs> Danny, I miss you. How are you? I miss you too. I am good, man. I'm having an awesome summer. I'm on a social media break. I got a new paddleboard. I got a new dog. So it's like, what else do I need? How are you? <laughs> I am. I'm a horse. Yeah, you are. Hey, can you hear my voice? And then I know it kind of always. But, sounds but we like haven't this, been talking. But... So who else would you be talking to that make you horse? A uh, karaoke party. Oh. Backyard karaoke party. What, what'd you sing? I sing what I always sing, 9 to 5 by Dolly Parton. <gasps> I always sing that one, too. No way. Really? Oh, my God. I love that song. And I always dedicate it to either the person who has, like, who works the hardest at a 9 to 5 job or the person who is a total freelancer who ends up working three times as much. Right. And I always sing Eminem, Lose Yourself. <laughs> Awesome. Which is my cardio for the week. It is oh. the hardest. It is the hardest song to sing. Oh my and that's, gosh. I always sing Jackson with Michael, my husband. We always do it. Are, are we talking the Johnny Cash, June yeah. Carter Cash Jackson? Love that song. Yeah. I'm trying to think if I sing. 
anything Man, else. I want to go to your backyard karaoke parties. There's some good music selection. It was an auction item <gasps> at a fundraiser, and I bought it because who doesn't love a karaoke party? And I just like threw it up there on the on the. I have a pin board of just like you know people give you a gift certificate, like just just things that you're not going to use right now, but are there as potential good times. I, it's my good times board. And my sister just turned forty, so I threw her a surprise backyard <laughs> karaoke party, Fun. and it was amazing. It was amazing. And I had sent the catalog to everyone ahead of time so they could pick the songs that they wanted oh. instead of that kind of high pressure. So it's like, browse. That was smart. And here's the thing. Talking about, like, if you're, this could go back to, if you're looking for family time, winter, indoor events, I highly suggest you can go to, I think it's called the karaokechannel.com. And you can just pay for a subscription to the 14,000 songs that they have, which is like 1995, I think, for like a month. And you just buy yourself 30 days worth of songs and you just set up. If you have a mic, you don't even have to have a mic, but if you have a mic, you can set it up and it scrolls on your computer screen. It'll scroll the lyrics. And I mean, this party was all ages. It was kids. We had kids up there rocking the house with s- songs that I had never heard before. And then there was one seven year old who wanted to sing Ebony and Ivory as a duet. I sung that. <laughs> With her, because no one would do the duet. She's like, I love that. Aww. And like, it was so quiet. And they just, it was, it was just amazing. All, everyone was fully transfixed. And we also, it was 60 people. We do not have, as minimalists, we don't have dishes mm-hmm. for everybody. And we're doing also participating in Plastic Free July. Are you familiar with that? No, I am not. It's like a, you could look it up. It's like a screen-free week challenge. It's Plastic Free July, meaning... You're just hyper mindful of not consuming plastic during this week. No plastic forks, straws, no plastic lids on your cups, no straws or whatever. And it makes you, again, it's just a super mindful thing. So we're like, well, we can't, we try not to do disposable anything. But for a giant party, you kind of go, well, how else are we supposed to do it? And I was like, we have to think harder. We have to stack harder. So one, we put everything that we had plus two buckets for washing your own dishes so that you could wash a dish and put it back so someone else could use it again. Or you could use your same dish again well, that was with a drying rack outside. And then we just sent out just a bring, bring your own, bring a basket of your own place setting. And everyone did. Smart. And it was a no trash. 60 people. Michael goes, did you look in the trash can? There were three inches of trash. That's great. In the trash can. So those are my hacks. That's very smart. It sounds like fun. Well, it was fun. It's worth being horse for. It sounds like this. So you're going to have to put up. <laughs> That's all right. I, I miss your voice. So it's okay. Even though it sounds weird right now. Okay. Well, you are too having an adventure. You want to share it? What's I going am. On you? you know, I wanted to call everybody that listens to this podcast and tell them, <laughs> but I didn't have everybody's number. So I guess it's the best way to do it. I took a job at a really cool place. It's a magical school, and I am the events and development coordinator, which basically means I get to do fun things with my event planning background and my writing background and my nonprofit fundraising background. So it's pretty awesome. And it's a nature school, right? No, it's it's a school school, but they have, like, I walked in, I was kind of worried about having, like, an office job after, you know, all these oh. years of teaching movement and freelancing but I walked in and they had a sit-stand desk ready for me. So that was cool. And I just wow. brought in my tray of rocks and my half domes. And all the kids have, it's a small school, like 100 kids. All the kids can have wobble stools. 
They have tables that transition. So they have standing tables. That's great. They spend three days out in the field, so they're not in the classroom super often. So it's like a hybrid. It's like a hybrid. And then every year, they go out for a week of wilderness orientation at the very beginning of the school year. So it's really an awesome place, and I'm pretty happy about it. I like that. Yeah. I like that every school has the potential to become a nature school. Right. I mean, that's... Every school has the potential to become a more dynamic learning space, whether it's through deskware or just a, a nature agenda. Yeah. Very cool. I'm so happy for you. And they just have outdoor spaces. So if it's nice, the kids can go outside to the outdoor classrooms and, you know, hang out there. So, yeah, it's very cool. I'm, I'm very proud of it and pretty happy. I love it. Thank uh, you. Congratulations. Thank you. Sometimes podcast host. Thank you for coming back. Oh, and my doing- pleasure. It's a mailbag in with me, so we're gonna we're gonna as long as it works for Danny and I, we're just gonna keep bringing you back in. These mailbags are so fun, and it's just fun to chat Such about good them. Questions, so, yeah. And so Danny, the way it works is Danny usually sends me some questions, which she did this time, and I, you know, just kind of go, okay, this is. Sometimes I see them, sometimes I don't. This time I saw the list. When I saw the first question, no joke. I spent a day and a half, about 16 total hours. I've read, oh, over 40 research articles. Oh, my gosh. It, it was like it was like the old-fashioned. I used to do this, do this a lot. This is a habit of mine. And there's some quote out there about, I don't, I'm like, I'm, I'm choosing not to know certain things because if I know about them, I have to think about them. That's the obligation that comes with knowing something. And so I often, people say, have you read the work of this or have you seen this? I was like, no, because I'm at capacity and because I can't know everything and I've chosen to know what I know and keep working on that. Like it's, there's just a physical limit. Right. So anyway, the way I like learning more organically is when, when we get a question about the body of work that I'm most already like robust and practiced in to develop or expand it a little bit. And that's what this question did. So for this mailbag, we're going to have time to do one question. You have all those questions that say you one question. Wow. I expect one serious, awesome answer. Well, it is. The thing is this question and just the simple process of, of, of looking into this question, I found one of the things that I'm most excited about knowing about the body that I didn't know before. Oh, that's cool. So that's going to be cool. And and I wonder if it'll also be exciting to you. So the question, oh. what is the question? Wait, here's the question. All right. Can you provide a reference for the assertion in Move Your DNA that a callus is getting better blood flow than ordinary skin? If this is so, why doesn't a callus bleed when it is cut or shaved off? Okay, before you answer this, I have to say I saw this question and I loved it immediately, which is probably why I put it first in our list because (laughs) I have always wondered this too. And we actually get variations on this question frequently. I cannot wait to hear what you say because I got to know. Well, and and I've answered this question before live. But when I'm live, like I don't have my books around me and and you're in the middle of like you're standing in front of a bunch of people. So you give a quick answer and you don't really go back and check what you wrote. You know, so this was the time that I got to like I had all my books in front of me. I'm like, okay, okay, so what exactly did I say? So the line that's in question is on page 
04 in Movie or DNA, or I don't know what page if you have an ebook. It says, quote, the callus that will develop from walking barefoot outside will have the, bur- the best circulation and the most cellular activity of any part of the foot. That, well, let me go to the second part. I've, I've also noted this, I noted this phenomenon first in actually Every Woman's Guide to Foot Pain Relief, which has now been reissued as Simple Steps to Foot Pain Relief, and that's on page 16. And that text says, <clears throat> Me, 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 me. <laughs> Maybe if you just sing it, it'll all be okay. Uh, exactly. Calluses are areas of the skin that have better circulation than other areas. And that's where I first read that was in the, right. the simple steps. And I just remember, th- you know, my, my mind was just blown because it just didn't make sense to me. I always thought that was the dead well, part. Of the foot, you know, that's like... Oh my gosh, we're going to talk about dead skin. I'm I so know, excited. Right? <laughs> so they're both poorly written sentences. And I just read a Mark Twain quote that says, like, beware of death by a health... Like, beware, beware of death by a misprint when you're reading a health book or something like that. So this is, this is that, like, a panda eats, shoots, and leaves type mm-hmm. things. Calluses are an area of the skin that have better circulation than other areas of the skin. So, first of all, like in Move Your DNA, the fact that it says that a callus has better circulation and more cellular activity than any other part of the foot, that's not right. It should say foot skin, but it only says foot. So, it should say foot skin. And then, technically, I'm going to go through the layers of the skin because it's a it's a semantics issue and I want to be super technical but you will see the degree of explanation the technicality requires but more more accurate it would say the skin beneath the cat like the skin beneath the callus the layers of skin beneath the layer of skin that we would refer to when built up to a certain point is a callus have better circulation than other areas of the skin or non-calloused areas of the skin. I will make those changes in subsequent prints. Oh, cool. Because, so that's what happens when you ask a really great technical question like that is like, oh yeah, I could have made better word choices here to make it clear. Because the upper layers of your skin, the or the the outer layers, the part that's less deep, the part that's the most superficial, is your epidermis. The epidermis is avascular, meaning it does not have a blood supply. So a okay, avascular, a- avascular, Okay, avascular. <laughs> you have Got to it. say the word after you spell it if you're going to win the spelling bee, Danny. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. So so dead. Dead is the word, and it's always it's always like, I thought they were dead. I thought they were dead. So I don't know where to start first. Calluses don't bleed when you cut them because the entire epidermis is avascular. It does not have a blood supply. So that's I think that's why the confusion is is what I what I'm thinking when I write better circulation to the callus, which is, like, where does the callus start? So I guess it's like one of those types of questions. So like, before we talk about it, let me just explain skin very quickly. I mean, as quickly as I can, which is not quickly at all. So you've got the the outer layers, which are the epidermis, and below that you have the dermis. In the dermis, 
is the blood supply. The epidermis has five layers to itself as well. So the avascular portion is five layers. Below that is the dermis. And I'm not a skin expert. And so that's why it took me so long to work through all those articles. Because I was like, this is half reading as like a foreign language to me. Mm. And so it was very complicated. But anyway, and as you, the more you learn about something, the more you realize how complex it is. And it's like, oh my goodness. So the epidermis is five layers? Epidermis has five layers. Already I'm more educated than I was this morning. Thank you. Well, and I think that this depends on what you're reading, right? If you're reading something simple, you know, like my book, which is a layperson book, not about skin. It just throws out that the callus has better circulate. The callus area of the skin has better circulation. It doesn't talk about like what that actually means because it, what is more, what is better circulation actually mean? But anyway, the bottom layer of the epidermis is the basal cell. That's the, that's the layer that is generating cells. It is generating cells. I don't know if dead is the right term for that layer that is generating cells. I, I will get cells, not sales. <laughs> I will get back to why dead, where dead probably came from. Just remind me. Okay. So you've got the basal layer that is creating cells. And, you know, it's the proliferation area. The next layer, and so this is where naming things, like things are named when when something about them usually changes. Like how we have named things is usually based on some visual difference. And so the cells, as they start, so we're only in the epidermis right now, and at the base of the epidermis is also where the mechanical sensors are. So you've got the base cells, which are measuring the stresses to all the layers above it, and maybe even below it. I don't know. But if it's taking in external data, then it's measuring, you know, how much the skin is being pushed or pulled. And that is sending the signal for generation. In areas that don't have much movement, the proliferation rate is one thing. In areas that do have a lot of movement, areas that are under like greater pressure or, or shear, right, or tension, like being moved around a lot, that signals hyperproliferation, which means the rate of cell growth is greater. Okay? Okay, yes. So as those cells, those cells have keratin, right, which is a particular fiber, and as it moves up through the layers, the layers are made of the cells differentiating. And I don't know if these terms are exactly right. It's, I'm not a cellular biologist, but like in general, the cells are, they're changing. And as, as they go through their process of change, they're pushed up by the layer of growth that's beneath them. And so each one of these five layers is, is really just a layer because of like what process the cell is what features the cells has, like how much keratin does it have in it at this point? It's a K-E-R-A-T-I-N if you want to look it up. And I'll, and I'll put sources in the show okay. notes if you want to go look them up. And it loses its, it has a nucleus at the beginning, but by the time it gets to the end stage, by the time it makes its way up to the stratocornium, the outside edge, it no longer has a nucleus. 
So it lost its nucleus. So the lack of nucleus is perhaps what one stage is called. And then as the keratin is going through its process of change, every time it changes visually, that's a different layer. So that's what those multiple layers are within it. It is just the cells being pushed up from the bottom and, and moving outward. At the same time, skin's being sloughed off always, right? You're always losing skin. And what, what I learned is a callus is not only hyperproliferation, an area, a calloused area of the skin. So you're, the strata corneum, which is the most outside of the dermis, surrounds your entire body. Everyone has a strata corneum. I mean, most everyone, I imagine, unless there's some sort of trauma. Just say it one more time. It's so cool. Strata corneum. Strata corneum. Love it. So strata, I think, is layer. Corneum is horn, hard. I don't know exactly what the root is, but yeah, it's like the horned layer. Oh, cool. Where was I? So everyone <laughs> has a strata corneum. Yes. So, so a callus is not a growth upon the strata corneum. It's just a... a thicker layer of the strata corneum and also mm. what I just learned of the strata lucidum I think which is the layer right below it which is it's all clear which we'll figure out why that's important a little bit later so in addition to being hyperproliferation in a callus the adhesion molecules are greater in those layers that are being mechanically stressed more so than other areas. So it's not only that there are simply more cells, the cells are more connected to the surrounding cells. Okay, that's what adhesion molecules... That's what adhesion okay. molecules are. So it makes that area less flexible and less penetrable. Oh. Right? That's why, like, I'm walking around my backyard the other day, I get things stuck in my foot all of the time I mean, I, I walk on things that are pokey and, and things that are so, have soft prongs just get bent mm -hmm. that would have normally gone in the, the softer areas of my skin, the less calloused areas of my skin would go in. Now those just get deformed because my skin tension is greater than what they can penetrate. It's less penetrable. And your stratocorneum is a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> exactly. But also when things do go in, it is penetrated a lot by like a goat head. Yes, but I don't feel them. I don't what? feel them. I'm aware that like I can feel the pressure of that it is sticking in my foot. I can see that it's sticking in my foot, but I don't have a pain to it sticking in my foot. Because I, I don't know, because I think the mass is thicker to wherever it has to go to perhaps to interact with a particular create a particular signal i don't know but that's my experience as being someone who has stepped on lots of different things oh, lucky you so anyway so that's so that's what a callus is okay so a, a callus is not really a thing i mean you can define a border around an area of the strata corneum but that's all it is it's a relatively thicker stronger area it's a thicker, stronger area of the strata corneum compared to the strata corneum that surrounds it. Now, vascular-wise, so the so I I recognize that the writing was poor write-off, and I'll make that change. Thank you. But I also wanted to get a reference for it because I that's what she initially asked for. Mm -hmm. So I went 
I first learned this when I was writing my first book and I was writing it with my friend who was also a podiatrist at the time. And, and this was kind of common knowledge just through our university. I, I, when we were there talking about it as I was putting it in, I remember reading something that said it explicitly, but I don't know what that thing was. So I was like, well, I'll just go find it. So I went to go find it and I, I can find nothing that actually measures the vascularization of a calloused area versus a non-calloused area. So, you know, when you're when you're going to school, the bulk of your education is coming through. I mean, you're reading a textbook, but it's the bulk of it is what's being told to you by your professors. And when they were learning, some of it came from textbooks, but the bulk of it was coming from what was from their professors. So there are, are lots of kind of common knowledge things that you don't actually know if there's a source of, and you kind of wade through them later later on. And this is one of those things. What is known, and I think that this is where it comes from, and there could be other data on it that was done way earlier on, like so much of the blood flow and, and circulation, like to the foot is from the... 20s and 30s, really early. They've stopped really investigating wow. baseline human physiology because they think that they know it all. I mean, like that's that's commonly expressed is like pretty much all anatomical discoveries have already been made is the general thought process. Mm. So when they find something new, like when they found that the brain had a lymphatic system, that was actually a statement. It's like, we thought all the basic anatomy research had been done. But here's here's how, so when you have a callus a callus is a place of extra pressure on the foot. When you step on it, when you st- so when you step on your foot, the place with the greatest amount of pressure has the greatest blood flow because the way your body responds to pressure is like you're bearing down on a part of your body. In that moment of bearing down on your body, your body sends in extra blood to that area. To, it's kind of like putting on a weight belt, like to increase its pressure so that you don't crush the structures within there. Oh. So every time you step on an area of pressure, your body moves blood to that area. Thus, a callus will always have, will always be the area of skin that has better blood flow to that area as you are moving over it, which is why the callus is there. And then also the callus is the area of kind of the greatest cellular growth compared to other areas of the skin because it's having, because of the pressure, it's having to hyperproliferate, right? It's, it's extremely active. What are the effects of the growth on the blood flow? I don't know. I, in, in gen, like at the most basic level, if something is extra active, an area is extra active, that area is going to pull extra resources to fuel that activity. But that's the that's the 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 dermis that we're talking about. So that's always been kind of my basic answer is, you know, yes, there's no blood flow in calluses. I'm, I'm talking about like the calloused area of the foot, the, the vascularization of of the skin of the calloused area, which includes the avascular part, but also the non-avascular. So those references are linked in the show notes so that you can see Excellent. how a callus. Now, what's interesting is when people have, calluses are often recommended being removed 
in people who have diabetes. Because that mechanism of stepping on a pressured area and having the blood come in where the vasodilation happens in res- mechanically in response to the pressure of the load yeah. doesn't happen in people with diabetes. That's one of the hallmarks. Oh, So, so a callus can be an area where you are just bearing down on a part of your body that, that eventually can damage those tissues, right? And become okay. a potential sore later on. So that's... That's why we cut them off. I can't read anything about a callus online besides maybe one or two articles explaining mechanism that don't refer to a callus as a pathology. Interesting. It is almost exclusively viewed as a, path- a pathology. Nowhere is it mentioned like the benefits of a, of a well-distributed foot callus. Or, or we, maybe we should ch- talk about it differently because it's not a callus that we're after. We're after a thick corneum. That what we it's hyperkeratinized, so it is a callus. But the callus is so ingrained with the pathology in anything that you'll read that the thing that I'm talking about, which is the entire surface of your foot being thick, we need a different term for whatever that is. Yeah. I'll just call it a fully distributed callus. But that that's what we're after. We well, are not after. We've talked about this at, before a little bit calluses, and I think I mentioned that. One of your teachers and our friend, he climbs trees all the time. And I felt his hands. And you know those calluses you get, like, if you hang from a metal bar or a chin-up bar or whatever. And you get those three dots. Yeah, you get those calluses, like, right underneath where your knuckles attached to your hands. But I was touching his hands because we were talking about climbing trees. And he had, like, a fine layer of callus over his entire hand. He didn't have any huge three dots. It was just this perfectly evenly distributed layer of of vascularized tissue and it was so cool i'd never felt anything like that but there was so much variation in what he was using his hands you know so many surfaces and so many different pressures that it created this perfectly even layer of callus and it was a trip yeah so it's a layer it's a layer that we're after so it's one of those things like the benefits of circulation. I mean, certainly as far as cellular behavior, that's in response to load. And so is the circulatory benefit. So like, you're not after like trying to build a callus so that you can sit and just enjoy palms and the soles of your feet with better (laughs) circulation. The circulation comes from when you're using them, right? So it is like my whole point with this is that calloused areas are areas, like they're not ill areas. They are areas that are well vascularized and very dynamic and growing and changing. Like they're, they're not ill spots on your body. However, in a context where there is not very much movement at all, they become an issue because when your pressure is in such a tiny spot, highly repetitively, then you end up kind of getting one deep core of thick tissue around soft tissue, now you have a stress riser and now it's making an injury. Now that core is deforming or tearing other tissues, not only when you use it, but eventually maybe crushing the blood vessels below. So that is, I think the answer to the the question, the question is a calloused area circulates better simply because in, in a health, you know, in a not in a person without this particular peripheral arterial disease, 
because when you step on it, the pressure, like the body's response is to pull blood and infuse blood into that area. So that area is well circulated, not the callus itself. There's no extra blood vessels growing into the callus, but... So where did the dead thing come from then? Okay, so that's the next piece. So anyway, I just want to make sure that I've answered the question and that okay. you agree that I've answered the question. So you'll have the source for the the pressure and the mechanism of, of how a callus would infuse an area with blood flow, an area of the skin. This is how the skin behaves under pressure. And also what a callus is, avascular, and then I'll change the text so it reads less confusing. And when you make changes to a book, there's a particular layout. So like I can't really ever add a paragraph to a book because that means the entire book needs to be re-indexed oh, and it that. shifts oh oh yeah oh, you can't yeah. just add to a book every picture and every box lines up and so you would basically have to redo the book anytime you do more than just change a couple key words but that being said i will adjust that as with as minimal words as i can to make it more accurate and less confusing okay thank you now i started thinking about the skin being avascular. Oh, and in reading a copious amount of literature on on the layers of the skin, I came to more recent pieces that I will also link in the show notes that's, that, that said, you know, the upper layers are absolutely not dead. Like they use dead in air quotes. It has no nucleus and it's avascular. And so that's why I think dead... So, like, there's five layers. You could say that the, they, they say that the epidermis is dead, they say. The epidermis is dead, but really, you've got an active basal level that's proliferating, and you have nuclei and different organelles up through a couple of the layers. So, if we were just to say that alive meant that it was active or had a nucleus, then we would have to say that the epidermis as a total isn't dead. And so I use the word dead also. I'm going to have to go back and change the places I use dead in both. I mean, in any of the books with skin. So I think I use the word dead in the foot book, the first foot book, the simple steps, foot pain relief. I don't think I use it in any one of the others. I'm like, oh man, I got all kinds of edits to do now. So the first two layers are living because they're actually doing something. And then the other three are dead. But then I'm reading this other stuff and it's like, these layers are not dead. These layers are responding and changing their, and changing their behavior. There's a moisturizing factor that's nourishing the upper cells that's coming from not the bottom two layers in response to use and load. And so I would say that the sentiment is that they're not, it's not actually dead at all. It's just not connected to a blood supply directly. So it's avascular and the cells don't have nuclei, but they are active and they are doing something. They are not dead at all. And then are you ready for this? This is the thing that has blown my mind. So these very important, very active, non-vascular cells are doing. So the problem that that creates for me is You can't do without an energy supply, right? Like if you're going to be active, you need, you need nourishment. If you're avascular, there is no nourishment in the sense that I 
can think of like, well, how do you get oxygen to these cells? And I think this is why this is why the word dead keeps coming up is because they have no energy supply. Are you ready? Yeah. I can't even say I'm so excited to say it. <gasps> Your skin extracts oxygen from the air. What? Your, your skin breathes. So it can't be dead. It's breathing. Oh, my God. Your skin. So this is this. I just I can't even like my mind. Like I I've my mind is blown. Elaborate. So your so your skin operates, you know, very similar to a tree. Oh, <laughs> cool. I'm going to link to this in the show notes so that you can go look verify it for yourself. Don't don't take the Katie says word for it because you never know how poorly I've been writing or speaking yeah. something. But <laughs> so you can go you can you can consult the authors of the cutaneous uptake of atmospheric oxygen contributes significantly to the oxygen supply of human dermis and epidermis. So your skin is breathing. It's exchanging oxygen directly with the air. So I think before the understanding was the upper layers are dead and non-active. And so the diffusion of the blood in the dermis was enough to nourish maybe the basal, like the active level, but the, all other levels were just in the process of dying and that, and they didn't need anything. So this makes so much more sense to me because the, your, the skin is the farthest thing away from the oxygen that you've taken into your body. Like it's, it's like the oxygen would have to travel the farthest to make it to your skin. Does that make sense? Like yes. from your, the blood vessels are the deepest. And then as you're going to go out, there's all these other tissues that are eating, which means your skin would get the dregs, but your skin is your, is like your greatest defense against your environment. So the fact that your greatest defense would be on the dregs made no sense to me. This makes so much sense to me. You know, the fact that your greatest defense is dead also makes no sense to me. So yeah, this is this is amazing that your skin yeah. can uptake almost enough oxygen to tend to itself, that it's in a relationship directly with the air that it is placed in, which then of course brings up all the other questions about what we do to our skin. I know, right? My my mind's just like reeling after you said that. Well, it's an organ, right? It's an organ well, that's yeah. been placed in a particular environment. And that environment is, I mean, there's scars and tattoos and clothing and topicals yeah. and sun exposure, lack of sun exposure, movement of the hairs on your skin. Like, how does all of that play I don't know. The fact that this was almost buried. And when I read it, I was like, are you saying that skin breathes? And then I type in, does skin breathe? And then the first 100 things are like, don't be ridiculous. That's just a, like, your skin doesn't breathe. And there's all these, you know, credible sources that are like, you can't breathe through your skin. I'm like, that's not what I asked. I didn't ask if your body was pulling in oxygen for your body through your skin. I'm asking, does your skin get its oxygen on its own? And it does. And that is blowing my mind. And I would have never found it if it wasn't for this question going through. So then, so then the, you need like, to thank natural, Emily. I do. Yes. Emily, from the bottom, bottom, bottom of my heart, soul, and mind, and skin. <laughs> like, I, 
Like to me, this is one of those big, it's another big shift of recognizing one, a mechanism of nature, right? Which is generally understood to be non-human stuff as being fully activated in my body right now. Like it just makes me that much closer to other non-human non-animal life even like I you know it's like more more closely related to plants and you can see the similarity in our behavior it just it makes the role of skin as related to to natural movement and temperature it opens up so much more about that and like not that there's anything else even known about it but just the fact that it's there opens my mind tremendously and there's nothing I enjoy more than having my mind open so again thank you for that but here's the other thing the next thing I'm thinking of is a calloused area more oxygen rich because there's more mass there. That would mean that like mm. if a callus has more to keep alive, is it actually pulling in more oxygen? So I don't understand the mechanism. There's got to be some it's it's going to be I mean you're dealing with oxygen uptake like a gas expert or someone who could explain the the physical components of skin and and what does actual skin occlusion mean? Like how, if I cover my skin with cotton, that's totally different than covering my skin with saran wrap. Right. So we have materials that breathe. That is like, oh, okay. Like I, like breathable clothing now makes me, I can see the the mechanical role of that a little bit more, right? So it's just it's just blowing my mind. So anyway, I don't get this or really most of anything, frankly. <laughs> but but I'm interested in like, does oil occlude it? Like if if I put oil on, is that depriving an an area, or is there a certain amount of absorption? And then once it's absorbed, does that facilitate more oxygen? Like I don't know any of those things. But some really smart person out there go. Look at that and then come back and let us know. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I mean, I there's so important. many things to think about with that. This is definitely not a dead end because it's you just think about, well, if I spend all day inside a building as opposed to, you know, outside like air quality issues. And well, I would just think of anything that affects your ability to extract oxygen from the air with your mouth. Those could also be at play through the oxygen of your skin. So like if you're in an area where the air quality is very low, they're also saying that they think that this has a lot to do with flight or our altitude physiology. You know, if you submerge yourself regularly, your skin isn't, you know, able to extract what it needs as a defense barrier. So like the, the overall demand on being in thin air environments is very high, twofold, not only what you're pulling in your body, but what you're able to support how your skin is able to support itself. So I was just like, oh my gosh. Wow. This is why I don't like to know about things because it, I mean, it occupied 16 hours of my life. And I don't know if my life, if, if I don't utilize the information personally, those 16 hours weren't, you know, worth it just for the act of discovery. I'm personally nourished by the act of discovery, but that's not, it cuts into my actual nourishment but I, I, I took my pants off. I did this on the computer <laughs> under the air treat. I was like, take it off my clothes. And I was like, well, I can, I can implement getting more oxygen right now. Let's just oh get naked. God. And, and so I have to use it in order to justify taking so much of my life to learn about it. I have to start using it right away. So like, I, 
I'm just like, I'm getting dressed differently. I'm just looking at my skin tenderly going, oh my gosh, you've been breathing. And what happens when I have a ring on over oh, you yeah, all the time? Oh my gosh, oh, it goes on and on up. and on. Wow, that's crazy. But thank you. I, I too love to have my mind opened. Everything is so interesting. Well done, Emily. I see you. Okay, so question answered, you think? Yes, you answered the question. And it's really cool that you're going to do a revision in the next reprint. But you just had a reprint, right? It was had a reprint. I mean, it's it's just mostly to change the word from a callus to a calloused area of the skin. Okay. But even that's challenging because does that mean a calloused area of the skin includes all the layers of it, including the hypodermis, right? So without getting into the layers of the skin, I'm not sure an easier way to say it except... The area, like the area of skin that is calloused or I don't know, maybe some editor can maybe help me with just how to say that the depth of skin, you know, the the area of skin to many people, the area of skin that is calloused will be limited to the strata corneum. They will not see that calloused skin is the depth of skin that is calloused. And that's what I'm speaking of. So I might just have to add the depth of skin that is callous, but that's very confusing. And when I write like that, those are often removed because like this is difficult to parse without three other paragraphs explaining. Yeah. It. So sometimes I just let it go and to say, like when I've answered this live, I just say, I'm talking about the layers of skin deep to the callus as being more vascularized, not the not the extra density of a callus. But anyway, I'll, I, it's my job to figure that out, not yours. Either way, a, re- a revision will be made and hopefully a better understanding is held by all who listen to the podcast. Yes. Well, and, it is for uh, me. So I'm assuming it will be for everybody else too. I got, I got another question. Do it. How is your social media break going? Great. Are you enjoying yourself? Tremendously. Excellent. Tremendously. What about you? I love it. I love it. Have you found anything lacking from being on social media? Like, have you noticed a decrease in community no business no i haven't noticed any decreases really at all no no it's not <laughs> and, so, and, I mean. and with my actually with my new gig i am in charge of the social media but it's different because it's i'm less you know i'm just getting on and getting off for my job it'll be yeah. nice to have those parameters and and leave it at that yeah it's, yeah it's great it's really truly the way to do summer i love it Well, that's it, man. Thanks for that. And thanks for all that work. And thanks, Emily, for the great question. And thank you all for listening. I I love the sweet letters that we get. And I just really, well, we appreciate all the listeners and all the feedback. You guys are awesome. Yeah, you're great. Yes. I'll be back for the occasional mail. Well, say mailbagging. I love it. We'll be mailbagging every once in a while. So that'll be fun, too. So for more information, books, and online exercise classes, you can find Katie Bowman at nutritiousmovement.com. And you can find more from me, Danny Hemmett, at moveyourbodybetter.com. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Hopefully you find the general information in this podcast informative and helpful, but it is not intended to replace medical advice and should not be used as such. 